You're listening to the Real Life Ostomy Podcast. Welcome to episode two of the Real Life Ostomy Podcast, Hospitalization. Thank you for joining me again. I'm your host, Jameson Sizz. Welcome back. To recap our last episode, briefly here before I begin with episode two, I discussed the beginnings of my issues with bowel disease and those essentially a broad spectrum of years and just that I was dealing with these things constantly and they were really interfering with my life. You know, I'd be trying to work in the outdoors, in the woods or on a mountain or and all these things and suddenly I'd be dealing with these abdominal pains and these unpredictable bowel movements and it was a few years of just unpleasant unpredictable it was bad news it was bad news and it was bound to come to a head and so it did where i left off with the last episode i had decided that i needed to go to the hospital so i've just arrived at the hospital and i go into the er and they get me sort of get me sorted pretty quickly and they can tell <laughs> you know they they can tell that that i'm not doing so hot so I believe they got me started with some IVs and I think even eventually some pain medication and they're working me over, going over my symptoms and seeing what's wrong with me. Uh, and they determined pretty quickly that I should have a colonoscopy to really hone in their diagnosis and know for sure. Um, and even though I had already had a colonoscopy scheduled, that wasn't for a few days and I came into the emergency room and they... They definitely expedited the process. So they, they, after a little while in the in the ER, time is weird in there. It's you know, time is weird in the hospital. I'll put it at that. They got me in, put me under for a little while. Had my colonoscopy. When I was brought out of it and brought back, they told me quite definitively there was very little question about the diagnosis at this point that I had ulcerative colitis which is an inflammatory bowel disease that is, as I understand it, an autoimmune disease where your own immune system attacks a part of your body. And in this case, it was my colon, my entire large intestine, that my immune system apparently just had it out for it for some reason. And again, I'm not a doctor. I couldn't give you the, the really nitty-gritty particulars as to why it does this. But my large intestine, my colon, was was under attack and it needed to be treated. So where my condition already was, because I had been having symptoms for a few days now, they needed to, to keep me there in the hospital. So I was properly admitted and they started some different treatments, all different intravenous medicines and the like. So I had my room and I was set up and it was being treated... But it was difficult to eat. I was still having very frequent bowel movements. And even though I was being treated and also under pain medication, which at this point I definitely needed because the, the pain was ramping up significantly. And there were times in which I was in significant pain. Most days, even just throughout the day, hanging around at probably about like a six or so on that pain scale. And I was on a lot of morphine and eventually even Dilaudid, which is a very powerful 
narcotic pain medication. So I was on a lot of pain medication and I'm being poked with needles every day like you are in the hospital and had IVs and and all sorts of things. And I was definitely bedridden in the hospital yet still needing to get up and go to the bathroom pretty frequently because this thing was, was still attacking me and not really responding very well to the treatment. I was in the hospital for some few days and I really didn't feel like I was getting better. Now, every single day, I would say, or near to it, they were coming in and assessing my blood labs that were drawn every day. And I was often hearing, your white counts are looking better. Your white blood cell counts are looking better. So what they were trying to tell me is that as I understand it, my immune response wasn't quite as severe in that that was some kind of indicator that things were improving. And yet all the while, I I did not feel like I was getting better. In fact, I felt like I was getting progressively worse. And before I knew it, I was in the hospital for a week straight. And they're urging me to get up and walk. And that became increasingly more difficult. I was in pain. I didn't want to get up and move. I was very bedridden and going to the bathroom a lot. And eventually I started to kind of feel sort of dirty, like I needed a shower or a bath. And I think I eventually did get a sort of sponge bath or two. I was a miserable heap of a person at that point. I felt so, so ill and so in pain and so deteriorating. I felt like I was melting away. It was a pretty steep decline, and yet still, I was being told that your white counts are looking better. And even at some point, too, I had had to have a TB test done because they still kind of sensed that the treatment wasn't really working. So I had to have this TB test, which was a necessary prerequisite to take another medication, another IV medication that they had fairly high hopes for. So I had this TB test and then I had to wait essentially another, what was it, 24, 48 hours? And I had already been in the hospital for at least a solid week, if not more at this point. And then they're trying this this new medication and there was some of that, you know, these other treatments we've been trying, they're not working out. So we're going to try this new one. Eventually, you know, I was cleared with my TB test and they started this new treatment and it, it wasn't working either. Even a couple couple days in, a few days in, it was still not working. And I was now, at this point, in the hospital for almost two weeks. Almost two weeks straight, confined largely to my bed, trying to get up and move around as much as possible. They were definitely urging me to try and walk, but I was mostly only going from my bed to my bathroom to still have these frequent bowel movements of what was now basically just blood and mucus and not even waste. I was I was constantly going, yet it wasn't really waste. It was it was blood and other stuff. It was it was a mess. It was a real mess and it was this constant downhill decline. And I seem to recall one evening where I think I had gone to the bathroom and I couldn't even get back into bed. Like I couldn't even I think I, I think I sat on the bed and I had to ring for the nurse and I couldn't even lift my legs into the bed. I was so weak and in so much pain. This was starting to get a be a regular occurrence where it was hard to you know even get up and move around because I was so weak and in so much pain. When they were ramping up the uh, the dosage of, of my pain medications because the pain was was 
spiking and I was I was miserable and in a lot of pain just all the time and I seem to recall one night where I just I I barely slept I was in a lot of pain probably writhing around a lot and you know things were just things definitely seemed like they had taken a turn for the worst things seemed like they were going downhill even faster now despite all this treatment it wasn't working and finally they were they said, all right, you know, we need, maybe we need to do some more imaging. See what's going on here. So I was sent down to have, I believe it was a CAT scan, and they had the contrast dye and all that. And So I had the CAT scan, and I do seem to recall that even before the doctor officially read the images, even just leaving the CAT scan room, suddenly faces, and this was very eerie, suddenly faces were extremely grave. They weren't saying anything, but the manner sort of around me was, this is not good. <laughs> we've, uh, we've got an extremely sick person on our hands, and something drastic needs to be done. So suddenly, you know, everything went from kind of like a, well, yeah, we're treating you, and we'll see how things go, to, oh, you're dying. And I do recall that, that that next day, I remember sort of being wheeled out to, there was a kind of solarium, a sort of sunroom just down the hall from my room. And I was put out there just to kind of get a little sun. I remember having sort of a wet washcloth over my face to try and keep me cool because I probably had a fever. And I was just miserable and in a lot of pain. And all I could do was lie there just, just withering away. And suddenly new doctors are coming in and these grave faces are still kind of around me. Them knowing that this condition has progressed to something extremely severe. So finally, new doctors coming in to look at me, not just my my typical GI doctor that was checking in with me over the course of the last couple weeks. And they're telling me now that my condition of ulcerative colitis had progressed to a severe state that they called toxic megacolon. If that sounds bad, it's because it is. Um, I don't really know all of the particulars about it, but apparently the colon was very, very inflamed throughout and it was going nuclear essentially. So I was told that I was going to need to be transferred to another hospital because this condition was so severe and that I was going to have to have surgery. And I don't really recall too much. It may have even been then that they said that I was going to have to have the entirety of my colon removed. I don't really recall if it was before my transfer or after. But either way, I knew I was going to have to be transferred and I knew I was going to have to have surgery. Even through all this pain medication and everything that makes the experience a bit hazy. And it was five years ago, so it's not all that fresh in my mind. But I do know that it was... Very painful, and it was such a long two weeks of all this and that, and sort of being told I'm getting better, and then really not feeling better, feeling like I'm constantly going downhill still and being in a lot of pain, and not even being able to get in or out of bed easily, to then eventually progressing to where I'm basically dying very quickly. And that's where they said I needed to be transferred. And I had to have this surgery done because all other options had been exhausted. So I'm going to pick up this story next week. And then I believe after that, we'll be heading into more of episodes that aren't so strongly 
story-based. So if these types of episodes aren't quite your thing, we will be moving on to different sorts of content quite soon. But now, since our main topic is through, that brings us to today's front butt tip of the day. So my tip for this week's episode is that if you're in the hospital, if you are in pain or say your condition changes in some way that may not necessarily be obvious to your caregivers, let someone know. (laughs) You know, that, that seems fairly obvious, but if you're in pain... Don't just sit there or lie there in pain. Let your nurses know, and they will likely try and do something about it. Either up the the, the volume of your medication or its frequency, whatever it is. If you're in pain, let someone know. Or if your condition changes in some way, tell someone. Whatever it might be, don't keep it to yourself because your caregivers need to know what's going on to be able to take care of you correctly. And I think there there may have been times in which I was in pain and I kind of downplayed it being like, oh, you know, it was probably a seven, but I might have said, oh, it's, you know, it's a five. It was like, I'm kind of middle of the road, you know, whatever. And really, I was, I was in a lot of pain. You know, I had appendicitis even some years before all of this, and I was in a lot of pain then, and and I thought not much could top that, but this definitely did, these two weeks, and the levels of pain that I that I went through while I was in the hospital definitely merited some very powerful pain medication. So if you're in pain, say something. If your condition changes in some way, say something so that they know, so that they can do something about it. Now, to add on to our uh, tip of the day today, this is a little little twofer here for you. If you know you're going into the hospital, bring something with you to keep you occupied because the hospital can be really boring. You may have a TV in your room, but there isn't necessarily going to be anything good on. So even, even if you're going to the emergency room, grab your smartphone and your charger at the very least. And if you can, you know, if, if you... If you can't really bring all that much with you initially, or you really don't have the time to, have someone bring you some things, if possible. Especially if you're scheduled to go into the hospital and it's not an emergency thing where uh, you have some time to plan and prepare for it, bring a book. Bring your smartphone and definitely your charger. Bring a, a Sudoku book, music Whatever it is that is compact that you can have there while you're in your hospital bed, you can have these things to keep you occupied. Because those days and nights, especially if you're not sleeping well, it can get boring. I had some crossword puzzle books, uh, Sudoku. I didn't even own a smartphone at the time. So I think I ended up keeping myself busy with with some puzzle books and things like Sudoku and and crosswords and, and, and that type of thing. But do yourself a favor. If you're going into the hospital, take something to keep you occupied because that time can really, really drag on and it can get boring. And if you're in pain or something, it could be nice to try and distract yourself by trying to do something that takes your mind off of it, especially if it's something a little bit cerebral like a Sudoku puzzle that can get your mind working and get you focused on something other than being in pain, being uncomfortable, being in the hospital and all these things going on. So those are my tips for today's episode. And that brings us to the end of episode two. Thank you for sticking around. There is plenty more to come in season one. So 
do join me the same time next week for episode three. I'm Jameson Sizz, and I will see you next week. This podcast is a Jameson Sizz production. If you want to learn more about the show, comment, or suggest topics for future shows, please do so at the Real Life Ostomy Podcast Facebook page or at RLO Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>